You are now tuned into Sports Brock with Air Auntie. Good evening. First of all, I would like to thank The Wing for allowing us to be in this space and have this dialogue. Uh, my name is L. Clay, also known as Air Auntie, and you're about to take flight <laughs> with me on Sports Bra. Uh, welcome to Locker Room Talk. Uh, I started Sports Bra as a podcast to celebrate sports culture, because ball is life. Can I get an amen? Yes. Uh, a scholarship can change your life. Some of the things I learned on the basketball court, I use in contract negotiations, in a boardroom, uh, but also to celebrate and heighten the visibility of women in sports. Women in sports. <laughs> uh, I invited these women to, to participate and contribute to this uh, panel because, I mean, Adina Andrews, <laughs> uh, Director of Social Moments at Lucha Report, Ashley Kaler, Senior Director, brand strategy and partnerships <laughs> at at Brooklyn Nets. Don't dim your light. <laughs> not just hey, not just hey, Brooklyn Nets. Hey. Not just not just Brooklyn Nets. Hockey too. Mm -hmm. New York Islanders. All of it. Get you a girl who can do both. <laughs> and I mean, I'm a little gas right now. I'm a little gas. Cause y'all know what this is? <laughs> This is a two-time WNBA champion. A seven-time, a seven-time, not one, not two, not three, a seven-time WNBA All-Star. This is Kathy Parnexer. Yes. <laughs> so when I say like, you know, this is a legend. It's a real legend I'm sitting beside here. I grew up loving basketball, so I thought I was gonna be this when I grew up, but then I hit 5'3 <laughs> and it just stopped. All the dreams stopped at 5'3. <clears throat> so I just told you why I invited these women to be here. And I wanted to know from you guys, um, why did you think this, that conversations uh, on women in sports were, I guess, important? Is it political, is it cultural? What, what, is, what are your thoughts on these types of conversations? I think it's really for exposure, if that's the word, to let people know that we out here, like we not new to this, we true to this. Like people think that we just started doing this yesterday. Like, Cappy didn't just pick up a ball and become who she is. And I didn't just say, oh, I like the Knicks and I'm going to watch basketball all night. Like, nah, you know, worked 5 a.m. to 1 p.m., 6 p.m. to 3 a.m., uh, you know, missed missed great moments in my life to be playing basketball or to be at an event. Uh, so just to let them know that, like, we're out here grinding and this isn't something that we fell into. Uh, for me, I would say <clears throat> um, just because I've experienced being on the other side um, and playing at a professional level at a high level and being around the politics, you know, it's important that we kind of spread the, the word and help change the game, especially not just for us, but for our kids. And, and for me, that's the most important thing because I want my daughter to have the same, you know, life as a, 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 a guy, you know, a young kid, a male. You know, I think it's important because... Obviously, for 12 years, I've had to live overseas, um, away from my family, so. We gonna get to that. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I think it's important that we kind of spread the word so our kids won't have to go overseas and, and, and miss so many amazing things that happen around family and friends. I agree with everything that's been said, and just to add on to that, I would say, especially with what we're seeing now, the sports kind of, uh, you know, the sports industry, it is political now. It is cultural. Everything is, is entwined and everything matters. And some of our, um, you know, the people we look up to and our kids look up to, men and women, have a big voice and a big cultural significance. And they're a part of this conversation too. And, and so are we. So it's everything matters. And, and sports just brings a kind of authenticity and accessibility to this conversation, which I think is really important. When was the moment you fell in love with sports? Like, when did you know? This That's like your Sinai Lathan when you fall in love with hip hop. Yeah, I, like literally the quote. That's the quote. When did you fall in love with hip hop? Very like cheesy. Uh -huh. but and I she mean, said, I'll play you for your heart. <laughs> I mean, that is the question for you later. <laughs> um, I will have to say, I was like that annoying little sister um, that got on my brother's nerves. So I did it to impress him. And once I started to get really good and he told me I was really good, then I fell in love with it. Same. My big brother was a football star. He put a football under my arm. 
but then I couldn't play football, like for real. So <laughs> I was like, just I was you were a woman. It was yeah, just yeah. crazy. I was. A, I mean, I could, just because I was a girl. Oh, okay. But like, you were nice. Oh, they couldn't tackle me. Okay. <laughs> I was. I was a front yard all star. <laughs> front yard. But then they would join. They joined the football team and the, the pee wee, and they were they were terrible. No. I mean, when was what's your moment? Um, my moment was my father had season tickets to the Knicks uh, for 20 plus years, and I remember. Is your father Spike Lee? Sorry. No. <laughs> Damn it! But no. <laughs> uh, yeah, low key, right? Uh, he had season tickets to the Knicks. We was way further up than uh, Spike Lee, and uh, I just remember being in like seventh, eighth grade, and I was like, Dad, I want to do whatever it takes to be in an arena for my job. Like, but I was on some outside popcorn, I'll be a dancer. <laughs> I was on whatever and didn't understand that there were these people who wrote stories and who got to sit courtside and got to talk to the Cabby Pondexers of the world. And as I grew in my, um, you know, in high school and learned about journalism, everything, I was like, wait, so I can put my love of sports and watching these games and be in these arenas for a living? Like, sign me up. Um, and that's how I did it. Yeah. I mean, I think the quick answer is Charles Barkley for me. <laughs> he wasn't a role model, um, He was not a role model. <laughs> I mean, that was the point. That's what I said to my mom all the time. No, um, I think for me, I have an older sister, and to me, my dad and I always had a special, special relationship, and I remember being at one of her games, and I was a ballerina. Um, I was probably 10, and my grandpa brought her some signed baseball from God knows where, and I was like, what? I want that. And he was like, sign up for basketball and get you whatever you want. And I was like, oh, bet. Let's go. <laughs> Never danced again and just fell in love with it. Um, and I was surrounded by, by athletic women my whole life. My grandma played basketball. My mom played basketball. My dad loved basketball. So it was in our blood. It just took that moment of recognition for someone just to be like, you can do this. Um, and then I did. So, I mean, going back on my moment of knowing I loved sports by playing football in the front yard, I also encountered the fact that like it didn't feel tangible in that moment because I was a girl. I mean, when you got to that moment when you knew you loved sports, did you think it was tangible? Did you think that you could be a WNBA? I mean, you've had this <coughs> this WNBA tattoo. It's just a WNBA logo tattoo. And you got it in high school, right? Yeah, I did. Let me fan out a little bit. <laughs> you were on a TV show when you were in high school. Yes. It was like the prep sports show in Chicago. Yeah, it was I used a to watch that reality TV show. Yes. <laughs> so I remember when you watching you get this, this tattoo. I'm like, this girl's very confident. <laughs> <laughs> she was in high school. She got the WNBA logo. I was like, <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of backlash and shit talk um, because I got it. You know, I remember. I had summer tryouts with Gino Ariyama, and the first thing he said to me, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is a dream of mine. You know, I'm yeah. just that kid grew up in an urban area who wanted to reach the highest levels of levels. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, God allowed me to get the tattoo and make my dreams a reality. What about you, Dina? Did you know that you could, I mean, you. I didn't play the WM Bear. I know, but I'm saying, but like in that moment of, Yet. you know, you wanted to sell popcorn and be a Knicks dancer, <laughs> but um, I will say though, there is a photo of me from varsity eighth grade. On the back, it said uh, "From Varsity to the WNBA." That's what I signed it, and I signed it with my number. Um, didn't quite make it, uh, <laughs> type thing. Ended up going to a school where it definitely wasn't good enough to play at. But I think I realized. I think the question was like, when did I realize I could do this? Uh, okay, so I I was working for the Los Angeles Sentinel, working, which means not being paid, um, for the Los Angeles Sentinel my freshman year in college. And I went to the University of Southern California and um, I basically just walked into their sports department and said, hi, I go to USC, can I write for you? And they were like, sure. Gave me tickets, uh, not tickets, press pass to a Laker game. And I, I'm in the locker room, Kobe Bryant's there, like don't know what to do. So, you know, I slip in, I was like, I'm, I'm small, small enough at this point in time. And I get, I'm getting hit in the head with cameras and stuff like that, but I was like, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna do this. And my job was to, it was around Thanksgiving, so I had to ask questions about like, what are you thankful for? So I was a thankful for girl. I was asking like Smush Parker and Lamar Odom, like, what are you thankful for? To, you know? um, but I was in there, I was Lamb doing Lamb? it. <laughs> you know, Lamb, you, Lamb, Lamb. you know what I'm saying? I was like, he was like, I'm thankful for all this candy. Uh, but uh, Smush Parker, we talked about Yamalo and yams and like, I was just, yeah, Yamalo, you guys 
know what I'm talking about. And that's when you put the marshmallows on top of the yams. Anybody? Okay. <laughs> I only know yeah. that from Living Single because yeah. Sinclair James used to have and that. Like, on I'm I here and I'm just either. talking <laughs> with NBA players. And I got a question in, you know, in this, this scrum. Like when I say scrum, 50 people just surrounding Kobe Bryant soccer. And I was like, this is how it goes now. And I don't see this on TV, but I got my, you know, Kobe Bryant thankful question. And I believe he was thankful for his children and his wife. And I was just like, I can do this, right? You know, I got hit in the head with a camera, uh, but I, I did it and I could, I could continue to do this. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think being, in, so I guess two answers to that. For being an athlete, no, never felt impossible to me. Um, I played basketball in college, one of my teammates is here. Um, shout out to Emory, <laughs> shout out to Atlanta. Yeah, um, I played three years, I didn't play four, and I had this moment, you can ask her after, where that was huge for me. And deciding not to play my final year and decide to invest in my professional life and take an internship at a theater, same thing, not getting paid, still working, still in school, still needing to make money. Um, it felt like the the loss of my identity at that point in time, but the shift of that identity was critical and it's like a feather in my cap now to the point where I'm very comfortable talking about that. Um, I don't think I could visualize exactly what it is that I do now, but I always loved product, I always loved sports, I always loved music and there's a combination of all of that in, in what I do, and I think, um, you know, it's kind of cliche to say, but the internet played a huge part in that. I mean, just reading, like, Hypebeast and being like, how did this Nike sneaker get in this ice cream truck, and <laughs> who paid for it, and why? Like, that's literally how I visualize this job. So I don't think it ever felt impossible from a, a corporate perspective, but I think I had to piece it together a little bit on my own. But how was it, I guess you specifically, how was it going from a locker room full of women to a locker room and arena full of men. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm lucky in the sense that, and two of my teammates are here from a work perspective. <laughs> Welcome, three. Um, we have a lot of women in my my office, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. We have a, a female um, head of our ownership group, the president of Nexum Sports and Entertainment, who runs the entire company, is a woman. Do we talk about it? That's a separate question. Um, our CFO, she's a woman. Um, and our new head of programming who's, who's coming on board is a woman. Um, our team, we have 10 women on our team. So we're, we're a little bit of an anomaly because I think we've put that into practice and we're intentional about who we hire and asking the right questions, I feel. Um, but there are a lot of men in that arena who don't work for my company, who, who speak off the cuff and you have to be ready for that. There's a lot of men in this industry that, that don't, you know, check their own privilege at the door. So it's consistent. It's always considered. It's it's always in your life. It's always something you have to to deal with. And how do you navigate that? Both, I mean, oh. I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. thinking you both encounter it because yeah. I've been to Bleacher Report. It's a lot of women, it's some women here from Bleacher Report, some of your colleagues, but it's also a lot of men. Yes. Uh, and let's it, be frank, it's a lot of white men yes, at Bleacher so. Report. <laughs> and when you talk about, um, I think, as a woman, and especially as a woman of color, you understand the way you're perceived the minute you walk into a room, right? I'm talking with my hands, if that's too much for them, right? Uh, my hair is natural, it's too much for them. So I w you, you have to wear a mask at times, whereas the white men, they've never had to wear a mask at all in their life because who they are is accepted when they come into a room and, and that's what they people want when they come into a room. Um, I think it's about, checking people on their privilege, right? Um, at times, I remember one time at work, someone told me, you can't just say, fuck that, and you're not gonna do it. And I was like, did I really say that though? I was like, please don't put words in my mouth and make perceive me as this angry, you know, aggressive, threatening person. And that's your privilege right there speaking. Angry black woman. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's like the angry I, black I, woman. You know, I was like, so don't don't do this to me. I wouldn't necessarily do it to you. And it's a side conversation that's had. It's uh, I, I work with a lot of young men also. So, you know, they want to talk about how a girl's voice is annoying. And, you know, that girl, she obviously couldn't do that. And they're, you know, just going off in our chat room. And I'm like, we got it. We got to cut that out. You know, I am the only woman here. But however, even if I wasn't here, you shouldn't be speaking like that. I agree with that. I think that's the most actionable thing for me right now is I'm still working up the ladder. It's how can I support the young women on my team and how can I support the young men on my team by pointing that stuff out to them to help them get to that point. It's not always my responsibility, but it kind of is. Um, so I agree. Cappy, you play for like one of the most highly decorated and only f uh, female coaches of color in college. Uh, C. Vivian Stringer. Uh, was that an intentional decision? Absolutely. Um, 
and, and, and for me, race and color plays no part because I just believe in equality all around the board. Um, she, my mom was a single parent mother. My dad was in the Marines. So that comfort level of having a mom figure mm -hmm. in my life at the age of 18 was necessary. Mm -hmm. um, my mom sheltered me, you know, growing up in Chicago around violence and drugs. And, you know, it's not the, the most easiest thing to to get away from, you know, um, and and she made sure that I was home, gym, home, school, gym, home, school. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what my life was about, and uh, I I made my decision based on on that level, <clears throat> that comfort level. But you know, obviously, Gino Ariama, Gino Ariama is an amazing guy, and if C. Vivian Stringer wasn't there, I would definitely be at UConn. Yeah. Um, but. It was definitely Rutgers. If you don't know what C. Vivian Stringer looks like, <laughs> Google her. <laughs> she looked like the scariest grandma, auntie. She wears sunglasses on the sideline. I mean, she's, she's. I have to add, every elite coach is crazy, <laughs> including her and others. But uh, she's the most amazing woman that you could possibly be around. She went through that. If you ever read her book, um, you would understand that she when I was there in school she was she was uh, <clears throat> she was going through breast cancer and she went to practice every single day we had no idea uh, she would come in late and then we're like oh why are you but then later we found out in the book that she survived cancer so just to be around an amazing one. woman like that I mean so you playing hard working hard you obviously at Rutgers killing it Rutgers was a big program uh, and then you work hard enough to be second overall pick in WNBA. <clears throat> How do you go from Rutgers to the pros? How do you reconcile the, the scale of support to, you know, kind of like selling out arenas? And I know you, once you got to the Mercury, you were there with Tarasi, and it was a, you know, it was a lot of fanfare, but the, the general support, the viewership of the WNBA. How did you reconcile that? Well, when I came in, I, I I was drafted in 2006, so from 2006 to now, it's totally different um, from fans to me social media mm -hmm. um, to the young women um, that come out of college. It's so different. Like, their fan base is ridiculous, and which gives me hope about the WNBA in the future. But, um, you know, it was great when I came in. Um, 2006 was an amazing year for the WNBA. We had the change of the jersey, the change of the logo, um, the change of our brand with um, – we went from Reebok to Nike – no, Reebok to Adidas, now Nike. So it was, it was a lot of great things that occurred um, during, during my time in 2006. And you spoke a little bit about playing overseas. I mean, is that like a, <laughs> is it frustrating that it seems like the people overseas, the European and Asian countries have figured it out how to give you guys, you know, t to pay you more of your worth than they have been able to figure it out here? Well, I've, <clears throat> I'm big on traveling. I love culture, um, but after a while, it's almost like how how much can your body really take? I've done that for 12 years straight. I went from Europe to WNBA. Europe, WNBA, nonstop, no break. I mean, let's break it down. So what's the – you finish the WNBA season, and then when are you off to? Two weeks, the, the most you'll have as a break. So your real <laughs> season is how long? Seven months in Europe away from family, friends, you know, America. Um, so, yeah, it's tough, you know, but, you know, if you love the game, you'll stick with it. And, and that's why I'm here to share my story yeah. because at the end of the day, I don't want young women to have to go through that. Um, I think it's important that we kind of help push um, the drive to, to change the wage, the salary wage. Yeah. So I speak on it as much as I can. We work just as hard as the guys, if not more. Um, we ride economy in the WNBA. Uh, so there's <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> that we have to go through. Um, that, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, we definitely do, unless you're lucky enough to be upgraded. <laughs> y'all too tall for all that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Y'all don't be using y'all miles? Exactly. So it, it's not all caked up as it, it, it may seem. Yeah. You know what I mean? So That's wild. I think it's a good time to mix it up. Uh, one word association. Y'all ready? We're gonna do a little one word association. Locker room talk. <laughs> Phones going off. <laughs> <laughs>
some um, some bullshit. Some bullshit. <laughs> some bullshit. Some bullshit. That's that's like that's what I think when I hear that. I hear some bullshit. Somebody's like, right. that's a T-Mobile, ain't it? <laughs> is that how you do it? Like you say one word and then we say yeah, one. I'm so not, but I want all of y'all to answer. Okay, yeah, that's what I think. What I, hear. Yeah, I don't know. Cringe. Cringe. Phone's going off. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. The phone's going off. Where? Okay. Sports bra. Essential. Nike. <laughs> Nike. Yep. Nike. <laughs> A hug. A hug. <laughs> Support. How many people in here wearing sports bras? Yeah. I mean, I do. I switch it up. Shout out to Jalen. But low key, like, why can't we wear them all the time? You can do whatever I think, you want. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, people are like, oh, yeah. you yeah, can. Super con- like, I, I, I'll only wear one when I'm not working out, when it's like laundry day and shit like that. But I feel like I'm underutilizing them. I should wear them more often. I mean, athleisure is trending. Yeah. It's co- but the athlete is not. It's cozy season now. So if you're into fashion, you understand. Like, no. sports bras and yeah. track pants. I- Ways. You heard it's it here good. first. I'm wearing my sports bra <laughs> to work. Well, Wear your sports bra over. Yeah. Your... I mean, we were talking about this the first time we met about how it's a- funny. A- moment. It's funny to see athleisure be such a celebrated and pushed thing. I think right now it's great, yeah. but like we were saying, <laughs> we were saying like, when's the first time you had your snap up side pants that weren't at Topshop? It was when you were going to practice when you were ten. Tearaway pants. And like, okay, yeah, yeah like Lady Aniche was out here 15 Talk years ago. Talk about it. And now you're like, oh, I got in London. And I told yeah. I told Christina <laughs> like, and Isis okay. this story. I work all the time. Like when I was in. Uh, at USC, I got voted most in the gym by my dorm because I was just always in the gym. I was actually late to the award ceremony because I was in the gym. <laughs> and and they used to, like, my line sisters and sorority sisters would make fun of me. They'd be like, you always look like you come from the gym. Like, don't you have any other clothes and blah, blah, blah. And now it's, a, it's fashion, right? Yeah. Like, I was... I was on to something, and I could have capitalized you on wearing my you, tights you been and my sweats but everywhere. You slept. Yeah, yeah, I, slept I, shared, I noticed I shared an Uber pool because that's my life. <laughs> I shared an Uber pool with a girl wearing a tube top and tearaway pants mm. and, yeah. heels. and heels. And I said, I used to sleep with an East Bay catalog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, the and I had those, those yeah. pants you got on. There, when you're going to your rooftop cookout. <laughs> and I was like, it, was, it amazed me because also, too, I, I think we see, you, this, this is a fashion killer if you ain't know, uh, <laughs> that you see a lot of athleisure trending, but you don't really see the athletes. Yep. And, you know, I'm not trying to sh- Gigi be shady to anyone, but I think kind of like Instagram models, fitness girls, <laughs> who, but they're not athletes. And I think that, you know, I want you to speak on that a little bit more. Go on, go go go. Can, can I, can I go first? Wait, go can off. I go first? Can I go, go first? Off, go off, go off. It's the most annoying shit ever right now. Like seriously, like yeah. don't use a basketball that you know nothing about, about to it. make your Instagram page popular or to look cool. Like this is real life. Like people put years and blood and sweat and tears in that shit. Myself, so don't do that. And and I and I actually tweeted about it. I'm gonna go check your Twitter. <laughs> you should. I'm gonna retweet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna retweet that. Amen. I don't yeah, like it. I just. I mean, I'm not hating. I was just like, oh, tearaway pants and two top. That's. I guess you got a game and a <laughs> she cookout. Got a game. <laughs> I, I like. You got the, a game at six o'clock at a party. Yeah. yeah. Right. I like the fashion. You know. You know. I like. I think it has that to be. In, fashion, it has to be inclusive. Don't you know. make it seem like you're a basketball like, player. So though. you got Kylie Jenner modeling this Puma. That's cute. Like you couldn't find a real an athletic. Well, they got Skylar Diggins right. now. Right. So. Which which surprised me. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. she's she's under Rock Nation, which yeah. is uh, yeah. yeah. And so, but I mean, I saw Kylie Jenner holding a medicine ball or basketball, or whatever it was supposed to be, and I, I automatically called out inauthenticity because she had a rubber band like a hair tie on her wrist. And I was like, but if you play basketball, you're going to tie up your hair. So like, I don't wow. understand, you know, or I think it's like, uh, is it Gigi or Bella, one of the models? But yeah, and they're Nike models. Like, get your money, girls. I'm I'm here for you. But I just don't understand how we can't find people with real athletic body, bodies to put in these ads. Last one, one word association. Playing on your period. Scared. Doing anything on your period. <laughs> I mean... 
Serena won a Grand Slam with a baby in her stomach. But she ain't had no period, though. It don't matter. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm sure in seven months, you and Turkey, questionable tampons and things. <laughs> I mean, I'm packing away. No, I'm bringing from America. <laughs> gotcha. Nah, Turkey is Americanized, yeah. so it's okay. Yeah. But I, I'm absolutely scared when I'm on my my cycle. I can't yeah. even lie about that. Yeah. Yes. Scary. Ashley? It always helped me. I don't know. Sport, like, working out always made me feel better. So, so that's when you had but your best honestly, games? But ask me about going to work on it now, and I'm like, no. <laughs> no. no. In the cubicle. Leave me alone. <laughs> In the cubicle. In the cubicle. Hi there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't really do anything in my period either. Uh, Adina, what was it like to go from ESPNW.com where you were doing a lot of like female-focused work to being at Bleacher Report now, where it's kind of like a tab, a sub-tab under NBA? If that. Yeah. If that, right? Um, it's tough, right? Uh, I, I, sometimes I'll see uh, women's basketball and March Madness on, and I'm like, hey, is everybody watching this? Like, what's happening? And they're just like, nah, is it the final check? Because that's the only time we pay attention. And, I, you know, I, I get livid or <laughs> get mad, but it, um, it's been a teachable moment for the people in the office and I've pushed more women's content. Uh, you know, like when Serena was doing her thing, like when she released the pictures of the baby, I'm like, yo, we gotta get this everywhere. So it's a teachable moment for them, It's, but it's still tough and it's like, all my life I had to fight. <laughs> You're still there every day, like why is this relevant? Let me tell you why it's relevant and why we, we need to do it. I think um, we did an MVP photo for Maya Moore after she won the finals and one of my guys, he likes the WNBA, but he's afraid to tell the rest of the team. And so he made it for his personal page, put it on his personal page, he's a designer. And I was like, why didn't you? He's like, I didn't think everybody else would like it. And I was like, we like it, put it on. And we ended up running on Bleacher Report. So it was just a, a daily struggle in that sense. Well, you know, our biggest fan base is male. Yeah. That was actually an issue we had at ESPNW, right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> we're sitting here selling ads to, to Tampax ads, right? But our demographic of the people who visit our website is majority men because we, you know, cover the WNBA and cover, uh, but men just like sports in general. And then they're also coming from ESPN.com. So that was a big issue we always had at ESPNW. Like, how do we get more women to read this stuff? That's why we are here right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, what do you think the key is to to more viewership, though, with with the WNBA? I mean, I know this past season was the uh, the finals had some of its highest ratings, the attendance is up. But I mean, what do you think needs to happen? I think, I mean, this is only one tenant of it, but the thing that immediately comes to mind is storytelling behind who these women are and where they've been. Um, build that narrative. Yeah, build a narrative. I mean, you look at someone like Brianna Stewart who's told her story and a lot more people know who she is now. Um, it took courage for her to do that, but it also took an outlet willing to run it. Um, and so I just think telling those women's stories more like we're doing tonight. And, and like Cappy said, she wants it so that her the kids can grow up and play here and be and just be just like the guys and a lot of times I would see the WNBA marketed as like you know she can do it and she this and I was like it's it's a sport you know and I want and it should be marketed as a sport and I feel like they've done that recently um with the slogans and the way it's marketing not like uh, I'm all for girl power but I, I think it, it's beyond that so marketing it beyond girl power and telling the stories behind these women and showing just the uber athletes that they are, the just out of this world, once in a lifetime athletes that a lot of them are? Um, I think it's it's more so like <clears throat> branding. Um, like you said, the untold stories, untold stories about uh, the amazing young women. Um, because a lot of times when you come from these um, amazing programs in college, the fan base is already there. You know, like UConn, the players are there, uh, always playing at the elite level then you go to schools like gonzaga you know what you have vandersloop many of you may not know but she broke a record last year for the most assists in WNBA history during a season you know and <clears throat> so many cool stories like you have players that play like essence carson she plays like six instruments she went to rutgers university for school for for music you know, it's just so many amazing stories that are untold, and I think 
um, you know, when I'm when I'm retired, I'm definitely going to be behind the push to help elevate the game because I believe that it's important. And I know that God put me in a position to be a pioneer. So I think <clears throat> the stories have to be told, whether you're Amaya Moore or Candace Parker or you're someone that nobody really knows about. You know, like me, I'm like mid-level Cappy Pondexter. I mean, you know my story, but and no, <laughs> seriously, if you follow You're basketball, don't dim your light up no, here. No, 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 no. I'm not. L listen to what I'm saying. I'm not okay. dimming my light. I'm not dimming my light. I went to Rutgers with the black coach. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that was going against me. Two, I'm a rebel because I love fashion, and it was different when I came in 2006 because looking at fashion and playing basketball was not accepted. It was like I was unfocused. Mm -hmm. So you have outside aspirations. Absolutely. So what I'm saying is, is like the stories have to be told. The branding has to be different and it'll help us grow because we can get fans from all like different areas of walks and walks of life. Like there's so many people that, um, you know, that like music, that like art, that like cooking, like, and a lot of players can actually do this stuff. And I think it's important that we grab these different fans from like these different walks of life to help elevate the game. I mean, the, oh, go ahead. I was gonna piggyback off of that and say, I agree and like brands have a role in that. I mean, it's not just editorial. It is exactly what we were just talking about with the fashion thing. Like go find that model. I mean, model's a loose term. Model can be anything these days. It's just someone who can lend that relevancy to your product and that can be the athlete. And then, like you said, editorial, I'm here. I, I look at somebody like Christina, who's at uh, Deputy Managing Editor at Bleach Report Magazine, and she just did this impeccable story on Sh the Aguma case, uh, Shanae and Neka. And like, we all here talking about these ball brothers, like, but y'all ain't know, like this, this, <laughs> yeah, and like the story was, it wasn't, oh, these are women who play a sport. No, this is a family who basketball is their life. They're at, I think it's Stanford, right? The girls Educated Stanford, family. Right, right? The girls are. The older two went to Stanford, the younger went to Houston. Yeah, they had like a little transfer thing. But yeah, like the two older, smart as a whip, went to Stanford and the other ones are at Rice. And it's like, this is a basketball family. Let's talk about this regardless of, of gender. And it's it's up to the people's like, like Christina and like me to keep pushing those stories and putting those stories uh, in front of people. And it's a fight, you know? Uh, we have to fight to make sure that women are on the wall at Bleacher Report, you know, when you come through and you see art or on our business cards at times, uh, and that we just don't, or even something as small as we did uh, NBA, we did rappers in their NBA jerseys, right? Uh, representing their city. And I had to fight to get Cardi B in a, in a New York jersey because they're like, she's a, no one thinks she's a rap. Like she's not a, a legitimate rapper. And I was like, she's actually the first female. I mean, the, I think it was like the first female since Lauryn Hill to be top of the Billboard charts without a feature. I was like, so like we got Jay-Z on here, but he ain't really doing nothing after 444. Love him to death, right? Um, but like just, I, the, the fight I had to have for, have for that, you know? And the fight you have to go through for these stories, but you know at the end of the day that, I mean, every time I have a fight now, I'm gonna think about the cappies of the world and like, this, this is just one more foot in the door and then we have to keep telling these stories. Have you been like at a flip the table moment where you question your career? Every time I flip the table, I come up to her. <laughs> I was like, I mean, how often is this flip the table moment happening? Mm, she was gone for like a week and I was like, I don't had two. She took PTO. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have like flipped the table moments probably like low key like twice, once a week, once a week. I'm working on it. I'm working on not having them, especially because it's like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to sometimes? Um, and would you talk to me like that if I was a man um, or or having a show probably trying to like put my resume out, like I've been here 10 years, I shouldn't have to tell you what I do and who I am in order for you to listen to me. So it's been an uphill battle ever since, um, but still, yeah, once a week. Obviously, uh, visibility is a major issue. I mean, a year before all of this uh, NFL national anthem protest, the WNBA was protesting police brutality. And I mean, do you, is there a connection between the success of like the unified protest in women's sports because you think of the overwhelming pay dis uh, disparity? Like they are, maybe they, it's easy for them to protest because they have less to lose. I would almost make the opposite argument. They have a lot more to lose. I mean, I, sh I 
we'll defer to you to take that first before I speak. Um, I think the the bigger you are, you know, like I think <clears throat> honestly speaking, like LeBron James has that right. And that's just me being honest because I can think back in two thousand eight or nine, I made a I made a instant no a social media post on Twitter. Michelle Vopal actually twisted my words. I can say now. <laughs> She twisted my words and made it seem like I said God does not make mistakes be because of Pearl Harbor attacks. That doesn't even make sense if you think about it. But I, I was <clears throat> in so much, I got so much backlash. The NBA had to take my Twitter. I had to have security. My family had to have security because I had so many threats um, from Japan. So, uh, I mean, I, I personally like to stay away from things like that, but the bigger your platform, the easier it is for you, um, because <clears throat> you, I mean, you're just a chosen one like that, and um, and I'm, I have no words. You know, I only speak on things that really close to my heart. Um, you know, I believe in quality. You know, I believe in things like that. So, but I want to say for somebody like Des Bryant, who's the NFL wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. He was talking about he, he didn't want to participate in the national anthem protest. He said, I got a family to feed because he has a very lucrative check. <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe if you don't have a lucrative check and you're trying to make some change, maybe banding together with your sister might be, you know, un unite or die. Yeah. yeah. I also think women are True. used to doing everything all at once. Okay. And well, that was my next question. Right. <laughs> right. So um, I don't want to speak for them, but I can speak for women in my life and in my office life. And, you know, we can't not do something. And that may have played a part in it. Um, yeah, I, I almost see it as like you, you've probably been marginalized a good part of your life. So when you see someone else being marginalized or something else happening as a woman, you you might you feel the need to stand up. Uh, like I guess like she said, I can't speak for everyone in the WNBA, but you're a marginalized league in itself. So how can you not stand up and talk for for others when you have just a semblance of visibility? I mean, we got in trouble for doing it. Um, we got in. Uh, <laughs> it was almost legal. It was like yeah, like wildfire. It became, it became legal, like um, legal action almost. Like it was it was unbelievable. Um, and you know, I thought <clears throat> I thought the, the the group did a great job of standing up, but we're just not there yet. We're only 20 years old, and people have to realize that we're still yes, we're the the best sports league for women right now, but we're still growing. So any wrong movement can tarnish and damage the league. So we have to really think and choose like, oh, is this fight a good fight for us, or is not a good fight? And I thought. It wasn't a good fight. Like we have to let our men counterparts speak up for us sometimes. Yeah, but they're not doing it. And you guys, I mean, you guys did such a. You're doing it a thousand times better than they were able to do it. And it, it seen it. I mean, at least to me, it felt. I felt empowered to be able to see you guys in Black Lives Matter shirts and to protest police brutality and you know protest for LBGT rights and. Even, you know, in soccer, uh, Megan, what's her last? Rapino. Rapino yeah. being the first white female soccer player to kneel during the, the national anthem protest. Women are doing a better job overall of social activism in sports. I would agree with that. And I think if you look at the NBA, too, I, my first job in sports was a players union. So I have a specific place in my heart for understanding players and respecting them as men and women, as human beings who have families and and checks to collect and mouths to feed. And when it comes down to it, they're, they're humans. I mean, I was there through two lockouts and then I left and joined the NBA during a lockout. So um, I get the price that's paid. But if you think about someone like Michelle Roberts, who's heading up the MBPA right now, she's willing to go on wax for the players and say, I'm not gonna dim your light. I'll let you speak on whatever you wanna speak on. There may be consequences, sure. But just know that I see you as a man and I know you have a voice and I want you to use your voice. That was co-signed by Adam Silver. So, okay, NFL, where's that? Where is that? And I have to applaud her for that. I mean, who knows what would happen if an NBA player kneeled right now for the anthem? That's a separate conversation. Um, and it would be interesting to see. I mean, I work for the NBA, so you know, I'm, we'll see. Um, it could happen, but I think it, it definitely, it says something when a female is leading a male sports union and she's willing to say that. I mean, also we have to realize like 
<clears throat> the NBA, the WNBA, the NFL, the, all these leagues are ran differently. Yeah. yeah. Like the sponsorship is totally different. Like the NFL, that's on a whole nother level compared to the NBA and, the, you know, <clears throat> the baseball league. Like it's just different. You know what I mean? So the rules and exceptions are just, they're just different. What I find interesting is that the NBA said players should not kneel and there was no backlash. But then when the NFL said it, it was now we're all going to kneel, we're all going to do it. And it's the Michelle Roberts of the world that let them speak freely. Um, and I will say having visible black faces speak freely all the time about this, that changed the perception for the NBA that the, the whole media relations is just messed up for the NFL in that sense, because the NBA really said the same thing the NFL said, but no one's coming down on the NBA like that. Can I add on that though? Sure. My only thing as an athlete, I just feel like <clears throat> if you're going to step up and be that leading voice, you have to do it not just at that moment because it's a trending thing. Like it's something that you got to live by. Like yeah, absolutely. Now. You got to be willing to what if this, takes a back turn then what happens am I going to be able to stick out my face every single day and continue to fight the fight and a lot of the times no disrespect no no shade but a lot of these athletes just do it just for the gram mm -hmm. like if you're going to fight for something you got to do it continuously it can't sure. just be a one one-off thing because it's hot right now do you feel like your opinion was heard this is for you Ashley uh was heard and received better now in the NBA versus when you were in the NFL because you play basketball? Um, I think it has a lot to do with I'm older and I have a more um, confident way of carrying my, well, I shouldn't say carrying myself, but using my voice um, and filling up space for sure. Um, I think I can definitely hang with clients a little bit better and players a little bit better because I know the game so well and I love the game so well, so much. Um, football was, like you said, it's just an entirely different animal. It's on a scale that's unbelievable. And the men that are involved in that, I mean, it's it's just, it's indescribable. And you look at what happened in, this morning. I mean, the Panthers are selling their team like, oh, that just happened? That didn't just happen. <laughs> like they I mean read the reports like people they've been calling that owner mister for years for years for years so it's it's a different animal I mean I made the jump because I loved the game and I wanted to be around the game more um, but I worked for some amazing men there and the head of that union Gene Upshaw um, he passed away when I was there and he's phenomenal and he supported a ton of women in the office and I never felt unsafe. I felt very respected and it was a family environment and I got to do a lot at a young age. Um, so I have no complaints, but being around it, I considered every move I made. I considered what, I'd, what I wore at Super Bowl parties, where I was, who I was with in a car. And that bothers me a little bit because I'm not sure I would give that same advice to women coming up in the industry now because it seems like a cop out, but it's what worked for me then. and. You know, it still works a little bit for me now. I mean, all of us do that in all of our industries. So, but I think about how much I guarded myself and my words and my body, and I feel a little bit angry, but I was doing it, you know, from instinct and from gut. Happy, is this something? Because I've seen you on the gram, on the court at Lifetime with Mello, <laughs> with, some, with some NBA All Stars. Is there something? reaffirming about being on the court and playing at a high level with men who play at a high level or is that just your that's been you from since Chicago uh it's just been my mindset you know since you know I, like I said like I tried to impress my brother um it's just a mindset coming out of Chicago playing street ball like that's what happens if you want to be great you have to play with guys and of course you know they <clears throat> they impact your play at a at a higher level than what most females can um but you know just that opportunity this summer um just to kind of prove to the world that females are able to play on the same court as guys at a high level um, it was just, for me, it was like a dream come true because I, I felt like I pushed that barrier a little bit further than what it was. I mean, you saying you are able to play at the same level as men, but I play pickup. Absolutely. <laughs> I play pickup basketball <laughs> with some men who can't run down the court. Oh, speak on it. And with some men who just literally stand in the corner and shoot a three-pointer <laughs> and miss most of the time. But, <laughs> but being chosen after them, 
just because I'm a woman. I mean, that to me has always been kind of mind blowing. I mean, is that, I mean, that chip is just always on your shoulder. You just gotta go out there and get buckets. Yeah, I was actually kind of upset one day that like, I wasn't able to play because LeBron and, oh. you know, um, J- James Harden and all these like superstars were there. That could have been. And there. I was just <laughs> like, really, really? But it was all good because it was an opportunity. And, you know, they was like, well, if it was up to me, I'll let you play. But it's not my gym. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Same. Me playing in like, Brooklyn <laughs> with some guys who work at Complex. It's the same <laughs> as you. <laughs> okay. I mean, Ashley, you, I'm sure you know this life, but you're tall, so maybe you get the, the Thank benefit. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. they like, nah, 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 we got her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ugh, at this point in my life, I mean, we've had this conversation privately, but I just want to do what I want to do. <laughs> and if I don't want to play with you, I don't want to play with you. Like, I'm not out here to prove who I am anymore. I really am not. And I have to get up every day and go to an office and be present and, and you know, wear what I'm going to wear. Just, like, be on. And so I just don't have time for that much. And there does it sparks something within me when I am on that court and I have to, like, get back in that mindset. And it's empowering because I know I have that in me. But I like to flex that more now in the boardroom. I really do. I just Ooh, don't. I make I money moves. <laughs> I just I don't. don't now. Right. I make money moves. And also, I'm 32 and my back hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. So we, have, we have a half court at Bleacher. We play knockout. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it gets aggressive. It's not pickup in Brooklyn. It's not lifetime <laughs> fitness. But um, I throw some bows <laughs> uh, in there, too. Nah, um, I ne- never feel like that. I think sometimes you get like down to like the last three people playing knockout, and it's like, oh, there's two girls. It's like, oh, okay, we're still playing knockout. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, but yeah, I loved seeing you at Lifetime this summer. <laughs> I mean, and get look, <laughs> getting buckets. Buckets. And here's with the thing. Mello and them. I mean, you should have invited us because we would have made signs. It would have been yeah, insane. Yeah, I would have made like Snapchat <laughs> filters and stuff. And we then I'm following the guys around. in the office. I was like, do you, y'all know who this is, right? I was like, y'all, we need to watch this on Facebook Live. Yeah, like, it went viral. It was yeah. crazy. <laughs> getting buckets. Yeah. I was actually mad because this weekend I played with in Baron Davis, like first ever annual Black Santa um, company. Mm-hmm. Uh, celebrity game and Matt Barnes was blocking my shot every chance he could get and it bothered me and I had to tell him like yo really he was like he was like what you think I'm gonna let you shoot I was like you were going hard come on like too hard but it was cute though so I think this is a good time but he did it his way huh he did it his way he did I think it's a good time to open up for a little Q&A if anybody has any questions Feel free to raise your hand. Rebecca is here to facilitate mic passing. Got any questions? I can also just speak to you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amel. Okay, great. You're gonna be on Sports Bra, Amel. Wonderful. Hi, I'm Amel. And I've been asking you to be on Sports Bra for how long, and this is how I had to be on. Um, I have a question that I think is a, a bit each of you has a really unique perspective um, and I think point of view about being a woman within a, sp- a specific spectrum or sphere. How often do you find yourself role playing and taking on more masculine traits, whether it's to protect yourself, whether it's asserting yourself? Do you find that you bring down your femininity, fashion stuff? Um, and obviously this is different for you because I think um, your your race plays a, a role as well. But I've always gotten questions from young women about how often should you be a woman where you are or do you mimic the person that is in power in order to assert your own power? Um, and I think it's a challenging thing. I, I um I was thinking about what you said earlier about like minding your body and who you are and how you look and I think it's about becoming more secure in yourself. Um, as I've gotten older, I have let go of trying to be masculine and and uh, you know not paint. I still don't paint my nails, but um, just just not trying to be so feminine. Like when I was younger, uh, working at NBA.com, I would you know try to be one of the guys a lot of times. And when I left, one of them told me they were like, "We don't have any more women around here. We miss you." Like it, I, we actually add something. So it's like 
you have to bring your full authentic self to work. If if being feminine or whatever that is considered is who you are, then continue to do that. Now that I'm at Bleacher, I'm probably the most, if I keep putting quotes around this feminine I've ever been. Like I, I do this thing where I like, put my hair behind my ear, even though I don't have any hair, but I do it very often. And I do that in meetings all the time, and my hands are here, and I'm yeah, same people, and I'm the only woman in the, in the group. Um, but if I ever left, they would miss that, and it wouldn't be there, so I know that I add something different, because if I just pretend to be one of the guys, and I feel uh, disposable, in a sense. Um, I think I really appreciate your question, because I. I'm still a growing leader and I'm still trying to figure out how to answer that for myself. Um, and I think, I mean, you can ask the women here that are on my team, I'm pretty upfront about the fact that I'm an emotional leader. That's just how I self-identify. Um, and I try to work a lot on my emotional intelligence, both in my personal and my professional lives. So I speak about that and mm -hmm. I speak on that and I want the men around me to be more emotional also, and women. Um, and just know that that's how, that's the priority language I'm going to use with you if we're talking about something that's that gets to that point. But I have grown in ways that are more masculine and just in terms of um, responding to my boss and seeing what I get out of him if I, if I change the way I approach a problem. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think I'm definitely learning how to be quicker and trust my judgment more. I'm, I'm used, or I would say in the first five years of my career, I was like, I need all the information. I'm gonna wait to make that decision until I have all the information. Now I'm like, I kind of been through this. Like if I have 50% of the information, like let's go, let's keep it moving. We have a lot to do. And that shift for me just happened in the last year and it's been helpful. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's about coming back to like, confidence and I am a woman and I am gonna dress this way and I am emotional and that is not a bad thing um, before copy but the the uh, teaching I like I said I work with like 23 year old men you know I I, I tell them like you, sh you shouldn't talk to somebody like that you should probably take that back that was mean and I feel like a mother at times uh, but that's emotional intelligence that we bring to the table that someone else wouldn't and I wouldn't give that up for the world uh, I mean, <clears throat> obviously, if you play basketball, when you train, you know, it's an aggressive sport, or sport in general is aggressive um, because, you know, you have to lift weights like guys, you have to run and work on your legs. So, obviously, you're going to be beefed up or juicy more than an actual woman that works out two to three times a week. Um, that's one thing. Um, the second is, I think it's, Im it's important, especially because the WNBA has um, a lot of LGBT members that we don't judge that if they're feminine or not because that's who they are as people. But at the same time, I do believe that there is a way that you should carry yourself as a woman um, because you are a woman naturally. Um, you know, and I think that's an, I think that is important for me, especially because I take pride on it. You know, when I'm off the court. I look like this. <clears throat> when I'm on the court, I'm very aggressive. I'm very intense. I have a lot of tattoos when you see me on the court. But when you see me off the court, I'm very gentle, I'm very um, charming and uh, soft. <laughs> and no, I really am, I am, I am. I'm not as, as aggressive as I am on the court because I'm very aggressive, I'm very aggressive. Um, and when I'm off the court, I'm not so much. I love to get my nails done. I play in these, actually, I really do. I break them probably too much, but still, and waste a lot of money, but I love playing in it. I love um, looking cute and finding more ways to look even yes. cuter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. I'm very ambitious. Yeah. Soon, January 7th, thank you. But yeah, I think it's important that we do shed that light that, you know, especially if you're aggressive uh, <clears throat> female who kind of associate on the male-dominated side that you still represent yourself as a woman at the end of the day. women working in sports <laughs> when you work with women that you i don't know don't perceive to be on the girl team maybe they're more on the guys team um you know using those derogative terms or you know hateful ways to just like get something out of you like that reaction out of you how do you either cope or deal I, for one thing I learned really early as a, as a black woman is all skin folk and kin folk. And so same thing, like every woman walking in this office is not my best friend. And so when you do encounter that, you know, it's mean girl syndrome, it is what it is. Every woman's out, out here to uplift you. Um, 
I just leave it alone. <laughs> I just leave negative energy alone. And uh, I'm, I don't know if it's a Leo trait, but I'm very good at like being in a crowd of people and not talking to you and like I'm talking to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's hey. like I can talk to you and not, and I can talk to all these people and not talk to that you. That sounds like shade to me. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, no, but seriously, I mean, if this person is all about bringing negative energy at times, it's like you have to shut that off, A, because this is my paycheck, and B, I spend more time at this place than I do with my family. So you, you, you can't let that, that seep into. It's, it's high by, it's email question, and that's all it is in my sense. So everyone, that's Asia. She's on our team. She's phenomenal, and she has a bunch of great ideas. So I just want to speak on her for a second. Um, I agree with you. I think I'd, I just leave it alone. I, I just keep it moving. But I'm big on just not dwelling on it or just don't respond to that person or don't talk negatively about them. Just elevate yourself in your own language. I just, I mean, they know. Like, if you bring that to my desk, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't. <laughs> um, and it's as simple as that. But you're right. Not everyone's going to be your friend. I mean, our teammates, I'm sure we've all had teammates that we didn't get along with. And that just comes with the territory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It happens. Cat fights happen all the time. Um, but like you guys said, I think it's just important. When you get to a certain age, you realize like the energy that you want to be around and having your life is different, you know, opposed to when you're younger. Like me, I don't deal with negative stuff at all. I kind of like leave it alone because it takes away from your energy. I'm an energy person. I think, you know, for you to prosper and be positive in life, you have to have the right energies around you. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Rajni, and I think, you know, for the most part, we, we all know that media coverage of women in sports isn't always fair. Um, and so my, my question is, two-part answer is, how do you combat that? And, you know, whether you're in an interview and a journalist is asking you a question that they wouldn't necessarily ask a male counterpart, how do you kind of, like, pivot it in a way to, to check them, but also give an answer where you're being civil? Um, and then the second part is going back to the media and the coverage, you know, when there are forums like this, especially with big brands, say Nike or Adidas or all those big brands, and they're talking about women's in, women in sports, and they usually kind of go towards a more feminine or likable icon that everyone can kind of dissect. Uh, so how do you guys feel about that? Because I do see it a lot. In, I do see it a lot working in media that instead of going to the source, like the women that actually play the sport, and I'm not saying that the woman that plays the sport can't look like that either, but it always pivots to someone who is kind of just the just the look. Uh, for me, to answer your first question, the media, um, you know, I'm thankful because I, I would like to say New York. Um, New York trains the best in terms of the organization. They train um, players the best to deal with the media. And I don't know if it's because it's so heightened here and the media is so aggressive that you have to kind of pre prepare your players. Um, but for me, I just, <clears throat> when there's a question being asked and I don't associate with it or I don't want to deal with it, especially if you catch me out of a loss, you're going to get a lot of shade. You're going to get a lot of ignoring. Um, next question kind of thing, um, which is okay because at the end of the day, your words are being used and you have that power. Um, the second part of the question, I kind of forgot. Kind of how, like these big brands. Oh, the big brands. Oh, the big brands. Okay. Well, for me, like, I, I look at myself as um, an individual who kind of marketed myself independently my own way. Um, when, if you look at my social media, I pretty much did it with no, no PR, no branding. Um, and I kind of made my push and now that I'm at the point that I'm at now, then I have a lot of people coming, trying to use me to brand them. So it's, it's weird. I'm in a weird space now. <laughs> um, so just to wrap things up. You're in a room full of highly capable, enthusiastic women. What do you need help with? How can these women help you and support your efforts and what you're trying to build? Wow. 
Uh, for me, <clears throat> well, it's two things. Um, the first thing is, if you've never been to a WME game, please go and invite one person because I promise you, if you go, you'll have the most amazing time of your life. And if you have kids, they can run around and go crazy <laughs> and then they want to come back and then you want to come back and get family passes because it's just that exciting. <laughs> no, really. And I'm not saying that just to hype the game up or because I play, but you know, it's it's a fun place to be. The environment is way different than an NBA game. It's not like, oh, I need to be on court side and I have this purse and da da da. I'm here for my man. It's not like that. <laughs> we enjoy the game. We have fun. Um, and the second thing is t um, to encourage young kids who may not be able to make that 150. Um, that roster of 150 players in the WNBA or NBA. Encourage them to do other things. Um, I've been a big advocate of it since I joined the league, to not just to be a one-dimensional person, but to have a plan after the basketball or whatever sport you play stop. You know, you can't play anymore. Um, and for me, um, I have a big love for music and fashion, and st I started to infuse myself in that once I, I came to New York and kind of start networking and socializing. So it's important that we encourage our youth to be not just one-dimensional, but multi-dimensional. What's the name of your company? My company is Four Seasons Style Management. Um, it's an image consultant company that I started with my best friend seven years ago, and our office is here, 30th and 6th, and it's basically to help revamp your brand. Every personal shopping, red carpet, all that good stuff. So look me up for sure. Um, so kind of going off what Cappy was saying is don't let anybody tell you that you don't belong in sports, that you don't belong, that you shouldn't be watching it, that you shouldn't be talking about it, that you don't know what you're talking about, right? Um, even to this day, sometimes I'll question my sports knowledge just because this man in the room talked louder than me. And in fact, he was dead ass wrong. Um, so trust yourself, trust your, your knowledge and your process. And so if we throw out companies and shoot shots, right? I say that, <laughs> I say that because um, I have, um, I do this event called Sports in the City. It's actually gotten very far away from me because I just, can't, I don't do event planning. Like I'm very much so, are you, what is the faces? <laughs> yeah, so like I could put together, I put, I would put together this, I did it twice. I had one at Walt Clyde Frazier's and I had Dante Hall from, I think he was on the Chiefs. He came through and then I had one, um, and I talked about the Super Bowl when the Super Bowl was here in New York. And then I had one for All Star at um, a place in Brooklyn. And I teach women about sports, not so you could holler at dudes and so they could holler at you like, nah. It's so that when they start playing fantasy football at work, you could jump in and you feel comfortable. And now you can talk to your boss and now you can have something to do. Or when they when they get box seats to a Jets game, you feel like, oh, I don't want to go and I want to talk. No, you're going. And so now this is going to help you propel your career. So I say that to say uh, I can put together a really great lesson plan and all this other stuff on how to talk about sports. But when it came to actually putting together the event, I tore out so much of my hair that I didn't want to do it anymore. So if there's anyone here who's like, really? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, how, where, can I find you? where can I find you? Drop it. Um, you can find me at Sports in the City. Sports and the city.com um, and then uh, you're, you're giving our social handles right too yeah. so you can always I mean, drop everything you need to drop okay. right here this is your audience yeah, these women sports are here and for the I paid for the website for the last few years and I haven't done shit so um, but I was featured in the New York Post 2018 this is I'm claiming it I was in the New York Post yeah I was in the New York Post for doing it uh, so I was like this is I'm gonna take it and then I didn't do anything else with it so um, would love event planning help in that sense thank you Ashley Awesome. I'm going to do all those things, I promise. Um, I mean, practically speaking, go buy some Nets tickets. Come <laughs> come hang out with me. Um, and then to braid Jeremy Lin's hair. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that a separate panel? Is that a follow-up panel? Wow. <laughs> that, was those extensions? That's, that's on part two. That's on part two. The extensions? No. That was on part two. <laughs> he grew them out specifically. Okay, I can't. I'm, I'm on company time. Um... So that's one thing. I think, I mean, really, like, see me as an evolving person. And if I say one thing tonight and I change my mind later, that's my prerogative. And it's the same for leaders in your life and women in your life. And just, I'm growing. Everyone here is growing. And allow each other the space to grow. Allow me the space to grow to develop, you know, my language and the way I carry myself and the way that I lead. That's just something that I'm trying to get better about asking for and seeing myself as vulnerable and saying I might fail, but that's okay. Um, I'll get up. 
so that's, I mean, that's really <laughs> what it is. And I think the other thing I've been telling them this, I want to write a book of poetry called 53% of white women voted for Trump. So if you could pre-order that now, because that's the only thing <laughs> keeping me yeah. from publishing it, because it's kind of there in, in bones. No, but <laughs> all jokes aside, come, come to Barclays Center, enjoy it, give us feedback. We're not perfect. Um, it is what it is. And give me an L gym time. If anybody knows a gym, open gym, give us gym time. <laughs> And okay. don't look at me. I know I know a lot of gyms. Where can they find you on social media? Um, at Ashley underscore Kaler, K-A-H-L-E-R. Adina? Adina underscore Jones on IG and Adina underscore Andrews on Twitter. I just got married and I'm working on it. <laughs> I know you guys are probably not going to remember all that, but... <laughs> I mean, put your phone down. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm Kappa, C-A-P-P-A-2-3 on both Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, Tumblr. <laughs> uh, I am at Southern L on Instagram. Please follow our podcast, Sports Bra, at Talk Sports Bra on Instagram. It's fun. This was fun. Thank you for taking flight with me, Air Auntie. Good night. <laughs>